Harrison, I was in the shower and you showed up at my house. Anthony, you made me wait outside in the rain for 10 minutes. At least it's covered. <laughs> That's true. It's yeah. covered. And also, little did I know you had those fedoras in your bag. So I didn't want to I regret that it is covered. My web of lies chart. <laughs> That, that would have been a bummer if that got wet. Right. Although that might have been great, though. If I just pulled it out and it was, like, ripping. <laughs> yeah. This is going to make a lot more sense in, like, 30 or 40 minutes for you guys. Yeah. Welcome to The Lake Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. That's Harrison Fagan. As I said a second ago, he's in my house. We're only, this is going to be a quick intro here, five minutes or so, and then we're going to throw it to a conversation that we have with Ryan Bergara of BuzzFeed Unsolved, huge Lakers fan, unfortunately for him, also a huge Chargers fan. So we That's were all, we were, we were all kind of in our feelings for this one. Well, Ryan and I were in our feelings. Harrison doesn't have feelings. I have feelings. So. It's just not that much about sports. Anywho, uh, let's let's start though with the stuff from practice. That's basically all we're going to talk about. Uh, the Lakers went out and dropped the PR move of all PR moves, and the end of their practice, when all the reporters were there, was just focused on free throw shooting. Uh, my problem with it, Luke though, Walton is- knows how to shift a narrative. Give that man credit. Yeah, sure. The problem is though, you know what still wasn't present for those shooting for those free throw shooting practices. A shooting coach? A shooting coach! Look at that! Like, I mean, Rondo was back out there today. <laughs> <laughs> like, just to, like picture something that you are not good at. What? What's one of the things you are not good at? Basketball. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. All right. So let's say you were, you you were tasked with going out there and playing basketball and improving at basketball, but you were only left to your own devices. You got you were you did all the same things that made you the bad basketball player you are right now. You didn't change anything. Do you think you'd become a better basketball player? I think over my a couple of years of my life, you know, like I've I've slowly I slowly got better before I had to stop playing. So, you know, but that took like do you think like that 23 years? Do so. you think that would be hastened by a, a a good coach? If somebody could have taught me how to shoot, that probably would have helped my game a lot, <laughs> honestly. You fit right in with the Lakers. <laughs> I, I can I can do like a personal like story where I it's like I shot free throw. I I too learned to shoot free throws with the Lakers. <laughs> I could give like a real first person perspective on this. It, it would be great. It would be great. Uh was there anything? I guess LeBron James is is progressing. He is apparently sort of. running. He he said like Walton said that LeBron told him he's feeling good. Then said yeah it, that he's done some running, but didn't know if he'd done any today. That Walton Walton found it. There's weird. also like Shams Karania reported this morning that LeBron's team said that they were willing to go longer than the initial three week timetable that they were given. Uh, I think Windhorse said on one of the ESPN pods that LeBron might be out like another couple weeks, like that it's not progressing like they would like it to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's pretty plugged in, in that camp. So, do you want to recreate the, the Luke Walton LeBron James conversation? We can do that on point. Do you, do you want to be LeBron or do you want to be Luke? Um, I guess I can be. Uh, I don't know which one's easier. Probably Luke. Okay, I'll be Luke. All right, so you ask me. I'm LeBron. You ask me. How are you feeling? I'm all right. Who are you? That's hurtful. <laughs> LeBron, I text you every day. Uh, have you talked to Magic lately? 
You know, honestly, no. That's that's interesting. I hadn't. Uh, he he hasn't texted me in a while. So I, my my groin is still kind of bugging me. Why don't you talk to Magic and then I'll let you know how my groin is feeling. Okay, I'm gonna. He he actually here's a he said to come meet him up in his office. He has. Oh man, look at that. I'm gonna go out and go for a jog, uh, and then when you get back after your conversation with Magic, well, I'll I'll give you an update. All right. It was nice knowing you, LeBron. <laughs> That's really, like, I, I can't get past the fact that, like, there's a chance <laughs> LeBron might be holding out for Luke Walton to get fired. Okay, I don't think that that's a real thing. I I, I made the case pretty it's convincingly gonna be great. It's gonna be later great. in the show. Honestly, if you, like, if you don't have a lot of time and you're like, oh, this episode's going to be really long. I don't know if I have time to stick around. Stick around for, like, I don't know, what was it, like the 50-minute mark? When Anthony and I start giving, our, we'll put a timestamp in mm-hmm. the info. Uh, when Anthony and I start giving our conspiracies, you're going to want to hear my conspiracy that we run past Ryan, who does the whole, like, BuzzFeed Unsolved thing, mm-hmm. and uh, was actually really funny, and like, had a good way of, like, taking some bigger picture looks at things that I hadn't really thought about. So it was good to bring a third voice on and not just have to, have to listen to your baseless rants. It was nice to have somebody who actually says stuff on a podcast. It was great. I said so many things! <laughs> I had takes today! I brought a I brought a chart! <laughs> Hang tight, everybody. We're going to take a quick second, and we'll come back with Ryan Bergara of BuzzFeed Unsolved. All right, and we're joined now by Ryan Bergara of BuzzFeed Unsolved. He is a, a unfortunately right now, he's a Lakers fan and a Chargers fan. He's coming off of a really tough weekend, but we thank him very much for hopping on nonetheless. How, how are you holding up, Ryan? Um, you know, I'm doing the best I can to cope with uh, yesterday's two crushing losses. My Chargers got eliminated in the playoffs, and then the Lakers uh, gifted the ninth win to the eight-win Cavaliers. So, you know, doing as best as I can coming off of that. I, How's I your would, weekend? <laughs> we, we were talking. We were talking about how the the different approaches you and I take to social media on on lost days or nights. And you and Harrison are of the of the belief that you just hop off, sign off before you say something you might regret. And it seems like the more prudent way to go about things. I'm the opposite way though. Like if I have if I have a thought that I just have to get off my chest, there's no better place to do it than on a public forum that can keep that can be screen grabbed and used as blackmail from from that point forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm a little more uh <laughs> diplomatic when it comes to that. <laughs> just because I do know that, you know, the heat of the moment, my blood is usually boiling after a Lakers loss, especially when there's one like last night. And I just know there's nothing productive that I'm going to say after. I'll make a couple little jokes, but uh, then, you know, eventually people will come in my mentions and then I'm starting to argue with people. It's just not a good look. So I choose to just, you know, turn off the phone, uh, go in my room, turn off the light, maybe light some candles. I don't know. Get, get into <laughs> my just... You just, uh, other than lights and candles thing, you just basically described everything that I tell Anthony to do after every single loss. I'm just like, it's not worth it. People are gonna, <laughs> people are gonna get upset with you. You're hurting your brand. You're hurting our brand. And then Anthony's like, no, I'm just gonna fire off a couple tweets about how I think Brandon Ingram or like Kyle Kuzma is a taller Jordan Clarkson. No, Brandon Ingram is a taller Lance Stevenson. You got it all oh. mixed, mixed up. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, today though, we're just gonna, we're just honestly, this is all gonna be a kumbaya session for at least Ryan and me. Harrison's too big a coward to actually say anything on the mic. But Ryan and I can bounce our rants off of each other. That sounds good. I do rants for a living, so it will be nice to <laughs> rant about 
the purple and gold for once instead of uh, spooky specters, which is usually what I do on my show. <laughs> well, so speaking of ghosts, Ryan, I did want to run one theory by you. And, like, you were in Staples Center the other night. You, deal, you, you look for ghosts all the time on your show. Do you think that the ghost of Black Mamba's past is, like, blocking Lonzo's free throws at the rim? <laughs> like, is this a haunting situation? I'm not sure what's going on with those free throws. Uh, frankly, when I think about it, my mind implodes. I just can't. <laughs> Look, I know this is classic guy on the Internet says I could do that. Why can't you do that? You're a professional basketball player. But at the same time, <laughs> I mean, I just, I just <laughs> uh, like, I, I'm not going to say I could beat some of the Lakers in a free throw contest. But uh, you know what? Maybe that is what I'm saying. Maybe that's what I'm saying. I'll, yeah, I'll we're just gonna still. we're gonna record that one part, and that's gonna yeah. be what we use to plug the episode. Sure, use it out of context, out of context as much as you'd like. I will die on that hill gladly. At the very least, it'll give me some face time with uh, some of the Lakers, and then I could uh, drive them insane. And maybe because of that, that'll be kind of like uh, Luke's way to threaten them. Like we're gonna bring back in Ryan Bergara. He's gonna annoy the hell out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Getting some damn free throws here. So. Winning streak is incoming. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. fifteen game I'll winning streak. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I, I, I. Here's where I think I, I completely agree. Having already challenged Lonzo essentially to a free throw shooting, you did contest. Yeah, not essentially. You said that you could walk into the facility and beat him right now. Yeah. I, okay. All right. You said fine. that like that's recorded <laughs> on your own podcast. And we got to that. Clip but, right the, now. but the reason the reason why I would say that though is that like it's free throws. It's not it's not something you have to be particularly athletic to do. Like it's not like we're saying, God, Lonzo, why can't you stay in front of round ass Ray Felton? Like it's this isn't this isn't that. This is us saying these are this is a one of the basic things that anybody can do in basketball. It's like saying I could swing a golf club. I might not hit the ball, but I could swing a golf club. Like, I could probably unhinge my jaw, swallow an entire boysenberry pie, and then walk up to the line and maybe sink 8 out of 10 free throws. I don't think it it requires that much. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of discourse already about, like, how they haven't hired a shooting coach, which I think at this point, I don't know how you get around that. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, no, I mean, they hired Luke's son, who has, like, experience coaching his daughter's volleyball team to, like, a, <laughs> to a position, so. Did they really? I think, wasn't that Miles Simon's previous experience? Oh, my God. Oh, boy. I mean, he was a basketball player, and he was also, like, a, like, I'm going to look this up. Hold on. I know. I, no, Ryan, I completely agree. It's, it's beyond me that the Lakers don't employ a shooting coach. And, like, the response is always, Oh, well, NBA players prefer to have their person. They, they prefer to have their team that works with them in the, on this stuff. But for the for, – it's a really young team, right? Like I doubt Svi Mikhailuk has a specific guy on his, on his employ – in his spreadsheet for shooting. If that's, if that's the case, just have somebody that, that can be made available if and when that it becomes necessary. Lonzo Ball is beyond the point. He's getting worse from the free throw line. And his, like, high school buddy is his shooting coach. Maybe make somebody available. Yeah, I mean, I guess the players are taking a cue from the organization. Because the organization seems to run itself like a mom-and-pop kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And you guys have spoken about that a bit on, on, on this podcast, uh, from my recollection. How we're kind of behind on a lot of major fronts that we shouldn't be. We don't really... I don't think we really take ourselves... Uh, as seriously as we maybe should. 
I also, I just real quick correction. That was Judd Bushler, who is no longer with the team. So they don't have the volleyball shooting coach oh, anymore. Gotcha. Well, that's a crushing loss. Harrison, crushing losses. Ryan, let's see if we can get Harrison to say something here. Harrison, would you agree with the theory or the analysis that the Lakers run themselves a little too similarly to a mom and pop restaurant, given the fact that they are worth billions, B and S? as a as a valuation of the business yeah i think so i mean i think that that's where you see the issues with at times like what can really only be described as nepotism where they're constantly hiring people that like everyone that basically everyone in the family is an employee of the organization in some capacity or the other some Mm -hmm. of them have nothing to do with basketball which is like that's totally separate thing and to be fair the guys that are in basketball are in the scouting department, which has actually done pretty well over mm-hmm. the last couple yeah, of years. sometimes you stumble into the right thing. But too often, I think there's this rush to hire people that they have a familiarity with, which is on some level human nature, because you want to hire people that you know, you want to hire people that you can work with and that you know you get along with. But I think that, like, one of the other, like, when you have Luke hiring just like former, like any former Arizona alumnus to his staff, <laughs> like that's probably an issue. With, like you're not expanding yeah. your job field when you're just trying to hire people because they knew Kobe once or like one time they worked <laughs> with Kevin Durant and like it went yeah. well. Like you know, like obviously I don't. That's minimizing some of these guys' resumes. Yeah, but it's the it vibe. just doesn't feel like they're expanding their field as far as it could be. If it was one or two hires, then it's like, okay, that's that's a one-off. Every organization probably has that, where they hire people that they're familiar with. But sometimes you have to bring out outside ideas yeah. and people that did not grow up with Mamba mentality. Remember remember when Richard Jefferson retired and the joke was immediately, oh, yeah, he, he has a spot on Luke's coaching staff if he wants it right and and then he wasn't hired he took like a tv job i think he does took a tv instead yeah, yeah he, he does took spectrum espn mm-hmm. so he he took a tv job instead and then in his tv job said that luke walton offered him a position and it's just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like what, are we, what are we doing here you can't be that predictable and 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 it, it's it concerns me ryan if you were if you were sports is weird it's not a it's not an actual investment right but a lot of time and and emotions and all that it's a it's an actual personal investment it's not financial but it it feels like you're not being met halfway when you see that they're just kind of the lakers are the worst shooting team i think pete just said since like 2015 from the free throw line and their major mid-season hire this year has been kurt freaking rambus like what are we doing well, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I agree with all that. I think, like, cla- there is some classic nepotism going on here. And I would also like to offer a blanket disclaimer for whatever I say in the following hour. It may be a bit reductive, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I am rightfully upset a little bit, I think, as most Laker fans are. And I I just think, to you you were right. The, the company is a billion-dollar company. It's, it's part of the three-comma club. And I think when you are... <laughs> part of that club you got to surround yourself with the best that's how classically any company has been successful you surround yourself with the best of the biz in every particular category i think i heard you guys talk about they don't really even have uh what's the status of our analytics team it's it's not good enough to brag about 
right? Like yeah, it, they right? have an analytics department. I, I've spoken with Luke a couple times pregame. We've talked with him, and he talks about how the analytics staff will get him data on lineups when he's trying to make those decisions and how various players are fitting with each other. But then he also says that during games, he has to make a lot of those decisions with gut feel based on like how he feels a guy is playing or how he what he's seen from a guy, which is fair. I, yeah, I think all coaches do that. But like they do have an analytics staff. But I know that like they did hire a guy who left, and you know right now like Rambis is the liaison between the front office and the coaching staff. So you know the players are taken care of as far as how to behave themselves on social media. But <laughs> as far as beyond that, I don't know. I like. It's weird because the last couple of years we were all sitting here lauding the Lakers player development staff because we're like, look at all these guys that were late round picks that are way outperforming expectations. And really? I almost wonder if we were being too, uh, you know, we were being too reductive and we were sa- and actually we really should have been crediting the scouting department mm-hmm. for finding guys who could perform in those slots because we haven't seen that progression from guys when they've been on the Lakers, at least not as much as you'd like to. Mm-hmm. Like even Randall has taken another leap forward since leaving the Lakers mm-hmm. and there's other contacts. So is too. D'Angelo Russell. So is D'Angelo Russell. And yeah. some of that is them getting older and them getting more experience. Mm-hmm. But some of that is maybe we were crediting the coaching staff for things that Weren't ne- shouldn't have necessarily been as credited to them. Ryan, do you feel do you feel as if the, some of the Lakers guys have plateaued? Like that's been the general vibe that I've seen around there, and and it's been in the back of my mind. But when you look at the development across the the board with the Lakers young core here, do you feel like they've kept up with your expectations with with, with the steps forward you were hoping to see this year? Um, I think well, in the case of like Kuzma. And Hart. I mean, I think I think they are hitting a bit of a sophomore slump. I think Kuzma has improved on the defensive end, mm-hmm. um, and I think he's like made a concerted effort to do so. But I I I, did, I think it's like a mixture of a sophomore slump, trying to adjust to playing around the gravity of LeBron James, and uh, maybe uh, maybe some the expectations of all of us. Yeah. I mean, no, it's a lot. There is something to be said about playing in the spotlight of LA and playing for the Lakers as opposed to developing on a team that's like uh like the Bucks. Yeah, and I I wrote about this last night. I I feel like Kuzma and Hart are kind of more in the clear to me because they should like Hart's struggles have just they literally started when LeBron went out and he was playing great. He was arguably the best young Laker for the majority of this year Mm -hmm. for while LeBron was in. So I'm not worried about him. When LeBron comes back, he's gonna probably be fine until we see otherwise. Kuzma again has shown that he can fit in alongside LeBron. And so his struggles right now, again, don't worry me as much. It's Lonzo and to a greater degree Ingram especially Ingram was given the excuse all year that people were saying, well, his on-off, and myself included, his on-off numbers are really, really good when LeBron is not on the floor. He's going to be able to step up a little bit during this stretch, and he hasn't done that. And so it not only hurts his trade value, but it also hurts like how much you value him internally and think like he is going to be for you moving forward, fitting alongside LeBron, or working as a trade piece to get you something else. Because now you can't go to New Orleans and tell Dell Demps, well, look, this kid's like a superstar when, when LeBron's not on mm-hmm. the floor and he just isn't a good fit with LeBron. So you can build your team around him when we're making the Anthony Davis trade. You can't do that anymore. Or maybe how, much not as that much. Is, how much of that is utilization, though? Because I do feel like we were, you know, not utilizing Lonzo and Ingram, I think, to a greater extent, the way we should. I think we saw flashes of uh, Ingram really 
uh, being utilized correctly. I don't know if it was against the uh, it was it wasn't against the Pistons. It was a game before that yeah, where we were getting him against the Mavericks, where he was getting the ball in space. We were having him attack closeouts as opposed to doing that high screen and roll action where he's just dribbling around on the top of the key and doing ISOs. Um, he was much better on the calf when he could make a quick read and attack. Uh, as opposed to having him dribble around for like, and that's what seconds. he should be. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was that's been the most frustrating aspect of this step back that they've taken recently is that the the the, floor, the the plans were there. The foundation upon which the Lakers could have built something a little bit more sustainable was there, and then they just reverted back to their old habits. And and I, I tweeted this out last night. Maybe this was this is one of those instances where I maybe should have put the phone down, but. <laughs> I said that it, the Lakers carried themselves last night like a team just kind of preparing themselves for a trade. Like somebody's going to go, whether yeah. it's me, whether it's somebody else. It just they, – they don't seem to really trust each other on offense in ways that this team needs to trust each other. And, and you kind of see that with, with Ingram where he's reluctant to give the ball up because he isn't sure he's going to get it back. People are reluctant to pass it to Ingram because they know they aren't going to get it back. And I wonder if that, how much of that has to do with, like, these rumors have been swirling around all year. When they aren't playing well, you know what's in the back of their mind. So it, it might just be a coping mechanism to just say, all right, screw this. I'm going to get mine. There's also an undercurrent of, like, after games, guys are constantly talking about other guys were making selfish plays. There were players making selfish plays. And no one names any names. But yeah. it's hard not to view that as a look. We can't win if Ingram's going to go in ISO <laughs> yeah. and like Schmandin Schmingram. Yeah, like they aren't naming again. They aren't naming names. They aren't saying anyone's name. And there have been plays where Kuz has made like selfish plays down the stretch. There are games where KCP's even done it. Yeah. Like it's not just Ingram, mm-hmm. but it's hard not to read that. He's as the person like, who does it the most often. Yeah, you know, I. Well, how do you how do you how do you view Brandon Ingram, Ryan? Do you think? Do you think – what's his ceiling? I got a ton of flack the other day because I said he should maybe take a step back from trying to be the best player in the NBA just because it just doesn't seem realistic. Like I don't – I'm not going to go out there and say I'm going to be a more profitable and better podcaster than Bill Simmons. It's because I think – Well, you're <laughs> aiming low. You're soft. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably not going to happen. How do you feel about Ingram? I, I mean a lot of that is like what was thrust upon us by magic. I feel like – and I, I, I got to imagine this has affected Ingram's psyche as well. He yep. was kind of uh, tasked with being the guy you give the ball when you need a bucket, which I don't think he's that guy. I don't. I mean, maybe I he believe is. Magic before last season said he's going to be a twenty-point scorer. And last season, yeah, yeah, I, and I remember that. And I think we all have that in our minds. So we were projecting that vision onto him. When I don't know if that's exactly uh, what he is. I mean, if I had to. This is where you get into trouble when you do player comparisons. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. He could maybe be like a, like an Iguodala. Um, Tayshawn Prince. Tayshawn Prince was also like you know, they have a similar body type. But he does a little bit of everything pretty well. But to make him the, the go-to scorer, you weren't giving Tayshawn Prince on the Pistons the ball and being like, go create a shot for someone else. Or for <laughs> Rasheed yourself. Wallace like, would have knocked him out. No, the best and worst <laughs> thing – to ever happen to Brandon Ingram was that his body looks like Kevin Durant's. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Well, I, I also think, so this is where Harrison might wind up editing this out afterwards. <laughs> but, like, it's been reported and confirmed multiple times that Magic Johnson will come in every other week or so. He doesn't, he's not always around the organization. And, 
when you say when you're so far off on expectations with a player, it, it's it's hard not to wonder how much of that has to do with that lack of appearance with with the team. You, you have to be if you're going to say if I was to say all right uh, during the three peat era we're gonna we're gonna look to Shaq to make all of our technical foul free throws. Uh, we're gonna welcome Hack a Shaq. We're gonna we're gonna try to build up the worst aspect of his game as a means to make him a better all-around player, you'd you'd get looked at and said, "Do you even watch this dude play?" Right? And yeah. and and I have that same kind of vibe with with Ingram when I hear when I heard Magic Johnson saying that he sees him as a twenty-point scorer. I was like, "Have you watched? Have you have you been paying attention to any of Brandon Ingram's anything?" And- yeah, I mean. I do think one of the things that was placed upon Ingram is I do think he can be elite defensively. I mm-hmm. think he has the tools to do that, just like Iguodala and Prince did as well. Um, it, it, it's tough. It's tough to kind of course correct in the middle of the season, especially when you're a young player, mm-hmm. I imagine. Um, I kind of feel like he isn't getting a lot of clear direction from the coaching staff or from higher up top of what they expect from him. So. You kind of do see that when he's playing. You kind of see that he's thinking through everything when he has the ball. He doesn't look like he's kind of living in the moment and reading and reacting. Yeah, and the whole marketing him as a future all-star, future franchise centerpiece, future 20-point-per-game scorer, like, that's a bell that can't be unrung now that he's heard that stuff. And now that that's the stuff that he's focused on, like, you're losing some of this development time. And, like, you're losing development time from last offseason when he was focused on doing all these things that the Lakers don't need him to do. Yeah. Yeah. How much do you think could be said, though, in terms of like, you know, when you mentioned Randall and Russell, they're what they're in year four now. It took that long for us to see the signs of them becoming the player that we thought they could be. Um, It may just be something where it takes a little time. And because you're under this L.A. spotlight, we are maybe uh, expecting too much of these kids. And And it hurts when you see people like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Luka Doncic, you know, immediately making uh, an impact. And we kind of are, you know, we see that, and now we're expecting that of, uh, you know, Ingram and Lonzo and Hard and Kuzma. Uh, I mean, you know. No, it's... you actually just verbalized something that I've been trying to say for a while. So, Anthony, you wanted a rant today. I, I do have a rant. I think that a lot of the times in my mentions, the stuff that I get back from people constantly when I'm like it takes time young players normally are not good like this this is just how it goes this is the NBA we've seen this in history and they're like well what about Luka Doncic and what about Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell and whatever it's like okay that's three guys Mm -hmm. out of like a 30 player first round every single year there's always a couple guys that pop and do it ahead of schedule that is not the norm though like, we don't talk about all top 10 rookies super performing well during their rookie season, during their sophomore season. There's always a couple late bloomers. There's your Victor Oladipo, who is also not the norm. But, like, he, it took him years, and then all of a sudden he's randomly – he's just an all-star out of nowhere. And so, like, I'm not saying that this is what we should expect. That's not, that's not necessarily what we should expect from Ingram or Lonzo. But especially – I lean more towards this with Lonzo because of how many different things that he's shown that he can impact. That he might be one of these guys that, like, takes – he's already impacted winning positively that like if he just starts to figure out the jumper a little bit or like he just starts to like find ways to be more effective off the ball even more so than he already is then like we might see another late career jump for him as he continues to develop into his body and gain like NBA smarts and reads and so I 
think that sometimes we're putting too much, like, we're absolutely, like, we're looking at the outliers, and we're like, okay, well, why isn't Brandon Ingram that? And it's like, well, because he's not. And, like, maybe maybe with some time he could become that, although this is not the atmosphere where you're going to get that time. That's what I was going to say. This is a LeBron team. <laughs> you can't, you can't. It's great to say maybe one day they'll turn into whatever, but <laughs> the Lakers aren't on that timeline right now. They no. once you once you acquire LeBron James, your focus is on titles immediately, and that window is rapidly closing. <laughs> yeah, well, it what really hurts. This is this to me has been the most impactful aspect of the season, is that because Ingram hasn't lived up to Magic, not just our expectations, but Magic Johnson's expectations maybe league-wide expectations, his trade uh, value dropping severely impacts what the Lakers might be able to do because now now it's that because his trade value is so low, the Lakers have to hope he turns things around. The, the Lakers have to hope he's one of those outlier guys who pop later in his career because it's not like they can move him right now. Like Harrison and I were talking about this yesterday. If the Lakers approached the, the Washington Wizards and said, hey, we'll give you Brandon Ingram, KCP, and a first – do the Wizards even take that? For Beal? For Beal, yeah. Mm, I, you know, the fact that I'm even thinking about whether they would Probably take not it. great. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. That, you, like, in the summer, that would have been an immediate yes, probably. Right? Yeah. In the summer, that was what we were talking about as a possible reasonable Kawhi package. <laughs> yeah. And now we're saying the Wizards <laughs> wouldn't take it for Bradley Beal. Right. Right. And that's and that, to me, has been... That that has the the largest impact on the organization more than more than a the loss against the Cavs might be that kind of that moment that that fuels either a turnaround or significant change. It's the moment that they're going to reference in the long form and why they yeah. let Luke Walton go. Right, and and when Mark Jackson steps in and hires a shooting coach and Mark things Jackson turns around, Mark Jackson steps in and turns this caterpillar into a butterfly. <laughs> into a butterfly, <laughs> as he does. But this um, is this has been the the biggest concern with me is that the, that this that the young core has taken, if not a step back, they haven't lived up to expectations to a reasonable step forward, and as such might not be able to be packaged for an Anthony Davis or for even a Bradley Beal in this case. So I think there's two elephants in the room as we're discussing all of this. Oh, there. I've slimmed down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, what are your guys' thoughts on the front office and the coaching staff and how much of this is to blame on them? Because, like, obviously young players not not performing is somewhat on them. Like, they have to develop and that's somewhat up to them. But at the same time, like, did it, has this front office assembled the right team? Have have they set Luke Walton up for success? And how much has Luke Walton botched this season? Like these are the things that we have to start to talk about, especially when we're getting rumors that Walton might be on the hot seat if they lose to Chicago. And if there are rumors <laughs> that you might be on the hot seat soon, you're kind of already on. Yeah, the, hot the, seat. the seat's warming up. The seat is quite warm already. I would say. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You you break a twelve game losing streak for. <laughs> They don't even have double-digit wins after that win. We're in January. (laughs) Yeah, there was a point when we were down by, I think, like 15 or 16. And I didn't think we were going to lose that game, but I'd made a joke to one of my friends saying, like, the amount of points we're down to this team is double the amount of wins that the team actually even has. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's true. uh, There was a both of you out with the coaching staff in the front office. Oh, sorry? Well, so so Harrison, it sounds like Harrison's asking like where, how much blame, and where do we assign that blame to the various portions of the organization to this point? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say uh, it's safe to assume right now that 
you know, Magic and Polinka's gamble to build a team with a bunch of uh, shot creators as opposed to shooting uh, didn't pay off. But right now, it doesn't look like it's paying off too well. Uh, what were we from three yesterday? Were we like five for a thousand? It felt like five for a thousand. <laughs> it was something like that. Well, the, the Lakers' two shooting guards were one for 15, I think. Yowza. Shooting guards. <laughs> guards oh who God. shoot. And the whole thing is these guys were supposed to ease the playmaking burden on LeBron, which, like, I was willing to listen to over the summer before we had seen them play. But what we found out is you need somebody to hit those shots. Mm-hmm. Like, Lance Stevenson, sure, he can playmake, but is that a good play? Like, yeah. are you getting a good play out of it? You're getting a play. Yeah. Well, I can I can create I – can, I can put together a recipe or the ingredients for a tremendous meal. But if there isn't an oven to cook said meal – <laughs> then it's all yeah. for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. I mean, like, you could have a team full of shot creators, but you also got to remember that the first word in that sentence is shot. <laughs> you have There's a shot at the end of that creation, and if you can't put the ball in the bucket, it doesn't matter how many opportunities you create because we miss a lot of open, you know, looks from three, I feel like. I don't know yeah. what – do you guys have the, the advanced stats on that? They're the league's. They're the league's. I think worst team shooting from from wide open threes. So it's like, always a great stat to no, be for to be last. <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 way they rate that is if there isn't a defender within six feet of you. Yeah. And you when you take that shot, the Lakers are shooting the worst in the NBA at those shots, and they're creating them though at a at a pretty good rate, which which so makes vision, sense. So so like the operation worked, but the patient died. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I'm guessing these are all catch and shoot opportunities, right? For the most part. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, it's pretty rare that you create, you generate six feet of space off the dribble. Yeah, like with the exception of like when LeBron does it or Lonzo's. I, I don't want to call it patented because it doesn't go in that much, but his <laughs> a step back uh, three point shot. Well, I think that I mean you can get a patent on something that doesn't work that well. Like we've seen lots <laughs> yeah. of stupid inventions. He creates that space, but it's because the defender knows that he's not going to make it. Like it, <laughs> Lonzo's like, oh, I crossed him up. Like the defender's walking away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I think, yeah, it, that's what it, that's what it kind of comes down to. I think I, I talked about this on last night's show, and when you see when you see problems, is obviously flawed or or as obvious as they are with this team it's you have to widen your scope you have to look at 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 what led to the decisions to to not surround lebron james with shooting how much of that had to do with lebron himself how much of that had to oh, do you with know all these signings were signed off on by lebron oh yeah no i i think his name's probably on the contract yeah <laughs> well it is on kcp so <laughs> no, no no anthony the nba looked into it no collusion yeah but but i think you know, and this is, I think, the point that you tend to make with, with the fire Luke Walton stuff is, well, he was given lemons with no sugar and, and no water and or very little water, and, and they were told they told him to make lemonade, and turns out if you just squirt a bunch of lemons into a cup, it's just lemon It's pretty gross, it's, it's yeah. Not, it's very, not it's, very good. It's not very palatable. But yeah. I will say that there is some blame for Luke as well. I mean, Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, he's the, not blameless. The fact that his entire offensive scheme was – we're going to create off of LeBron James, which is what it seems to be because our half-court sets are lacking. I think the Lakers <laughs> Just, ran – I think somebody it, tracked it and they ran like 10 half-court sets last night. It's insane. Half the time, it's usually somebody dribbling at the top of the key while no one moves off ball. And in a, most of the time, it's just, uh, you know, high screen and roll, which once again is going into that shot creation thing when 
people can't hit catch and shoot threes. So it's just, I think when you have a team that relies so heavily on one player, you need to have some go-to bread and butter sets for when that player is out. So when people who can't make, you know, make opportunities for each other or can't score the ball at will, you have these sets to go to when you need a bucket. And it doesn't seem like he even has those. So um, to me, the step is to hire a new offensive coordinator and actually work on offense during next training camp. Because right now we're seeing the results of, like, they focused on defense all training camp. They have seventh-ranked defense in the NBA. They've been even better since LeBron went down. Like, that's good. Luke deserves credit for that. Luke and the staff deserve credit for that. And, like, the front office deserves credit for assembling a roster that could do that. But if if you don't work on offense at all, and your whole offense is, like you said, Ryan, it's just like, or, like, let's get stuff off of LeBron's orbit, then you're just setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up to have nothing when he goes down. These guys, I think that we underrate how hard it is to adjust to a completely new role while defenses are actually paying attention to you and getting up for you to play against you that night like the young players are having to do right now without LeBron. We're in, no, year, three, we're in year three of Luke Walton's tenure with the Lakers. Haven't we been saying that he needs to hire an offensive coordinator for like mm. three of those three seasons? And I like, think so. I think that's only been this season. I've only really seen. That well, yeah, season. because there was actual expectations on it, and we just we always just kind of wrote it off as well. The Lakers suck. They don't have the talent to be able. Which to was bruise. true. It was. It was. But I also think though that like both things can be true. They can have sucked, and they can also have been. They could have left a lot to be desired in terms of offensive sy- system. And and I think right now what you're seeing is a team that that didn't put the lay that groundwork down. So that it, when expectations start to build up, they were ready to meet them, and and here we are, and and you know, and th- this is also year what two? Is it year? It's year two of Magic and Palinka's tenure. How haven't yeah. they pushed Walton to hire an offensive guy? How haven't they pushed him? I think it was there was I that think the only way, place they're pushing him is out the door. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Luke, can you get us Mark Jackson's contact information? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they did kind of air out some quotes to the press, though, earlier in the season where they were talking. I think it was uh, Ramona Shelburne's report where she had mentioned, I can't remember if it was Palinka or Magic that had said, uh, we still have no signs of whatever offensive scheme that's supposed to be. It was Magic. Yeah, it was Magic. It was Magic, right, in the mm-hmm. half court. They, so they did say some things to maybe light a fire under Luke. But I think you're, I feel like you're right about the past three seasons. Like, we did write it off as they were being, uh, they were young. But I also feel like when you're a young team, isn't that more the reason to be scheme heavy? Yeah. So that you don't have to rely on the young players doing heavy lifting off of, off of talent and experience alone, which at that point they don't really have. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Harrison has been befuddled. Um, all right, let's uh, let's let's change course here. No, for a actually, bit. I do I do want to say real quick before we oh, wrap God. up the actual basketball stuff, guys. You don't have to worry. We solved everything. Mm-hmm. This is a direct. This is a quote from Lakers practice. Matthew Moreno of Lakers Nation. This is Luke. So he said, "We had a really long, good film session. Guys are upset. We got some good work in. So they solved it." Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, what Ryan? Are you are you okay to, to record a brand new podcast? You're <laughs> <laughs> talking about how great the Lakers film study has been. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, are you guys getting? I feel like Lucas said that quote post-game? like twenty times this year. No, exactly. And I'm, I'm. Are you getting a little fatigued when it comes to the front of all the Laker players and coaches after games saying, "Well, we just got to play harder. We got to you know, if we play harder on defense and offense, and we play as hard as we possibly can, it's going to work." But if you're beating your head against the wall with a scheme that doesn't really work. I just don't understand how that 
is supposed to inspire any confidence in anybody. Yeah, they're hitting their head and against for, the wall, they and harder. they're like, well, we didn't break through, so we're just going to do it harder next time. Yeah. Well, I'm going to reference a movie that people probably haven't seen, or maybe they have. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> when, uh, when Christian Bale when Batman is a little long in the tooth, um, and he's preparing to fight Bane, and I think Alfred says, like, how are you going to fight this guy? He's bigger, faster, stronger, and he just says, oh, I'll fight harder. That's what I always do. And we're all going, no, you're going to get your ass kicked. You're like 80 years old, man. Yep, and then he got That's kind of how I feel when I see these players going, we're we're just going to play harder. It's going to work out. And I just feel like that's wishful thinking and frustrating. Um, yeah. Well, after, after practice also from Matthew Moreno, he, there's a video going around right now that it's all the Lakers shooting free throws after practice. And it's like, that's great. That's a tremendous PR move. That's a, that's a, that's a great job by Luke Walton and his staff to get guys in front of the camera saying, look, I promise we're working on it. But to the same point you just made, Ryan, if you if you're working on the same habits that make you the worst shooting free throw shooting team in five years, then you're just going to continue to be that bad a shooting team. Hey, they actually I, they were working on free throws when the media walked into practice today. Yeah. So again, we solved it. Yeah. Oh boy. Yep. But apparently they had so many play. They only had seven players available because almost everyone had the, the training staff said give them the day off because they were banged up. So mm. they really could only work on, uh, like, film study and free throws, it sounds like. <laughs> they followed Pete on Twitter for 15 minutes. Is, it was, yeah. was their, their <laughs> film study. <laughs> All right. A good PR move for me would be hiring a shooting coach, but, you know, that's just my, my <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's not – I feel like it's not that hard. You could just, like, go – you know, you could get, like, one of these guys that can make, like, 100 shots on YouTube or whatever yeah. in a row, and, like, they call themselves a free throw doctor. That'll that'll placate, like, 90% of the fan base. Yeah, it, it, it would – Take it would be a step forward. It would be like me. we brought Steve Nash in today. He shot a couple free throws with the guys to make up for all the money he stole from us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look how much uh, positive press they got when they brought in Denzel Washington. Remember that? <laughs> and Kendrick Lamar. Maybe Kendrick Lamar can teach him to shoot free throws. Yeah, bring K Dot in there. Have him co- chuck a couple balls at the rim. Maybe that'll that'll solve all of our issues and woes. Uh, all right, we're gonna we're gonna segue awkwardly because that's the only way I know how to segue. We are going to because this is this is Ryan's forte. He is the unsolved BuzzFeed unsolved guy, and and we have nonstop conspiracies. I have a tinfoil hat on at all times. Uh, Harrison and I put together a couple t- uh, conspiracies. I'm going to lead because Harrison has been bragging about his conspiracy since last night. I got messages from Harrison at like seven o'clock this morning telling me about how great his conspiracy is. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I. I spent – it's not even that's really something that I should be proud of. I spent, like, an irresponsible amount of time on this. <laughs> like, like I'm hoping that Seth didn't make it this far into the podcast because if he hears, like, how much time I put into this, he's probably going to have to let me go. He's going to be like, you had, like, work tasks you didn't get to. <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'll start here. Mine's a pretty basic one. Uh, it dates back to the state Dwight era. I don't think the Lakers wanted Dwight Howard back. Uh, my conspiracy is that is that they put up those posters. It was like the first time they'd ever done anything like that for a player. They put up those posters, and when Dwight said, ah, I don't know, they're, they, they, I, I'm, I'm just going to go out and say that they were not all that upset when he decided to go to Houston. Uh, the basis for that is one of his re- requests were to amnesty Kobe Bryant and stretch out or either amnesty or stretch out Kobe which they were never going to do, knowing the way that the Lakers worship at the altar of Kobe. That was yeah. ne- the, as soon as he made that re- uh, 
Demand. Demand. That was that was a non-starter, and that was the beginning of the end. Uh, the other thing is he had back he had back issues that entire season, and yeah. if you look at his career since then, maybe their 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 doctors, their team doctors, kind of looked at it and said, if we're paying that guy max money for the next umpteen years, that's going to put us in a tough spot too. So not only does he not get along with not get along with Kobe or or really anybody. Uh, he also might have physical liabilities moving forward. And, and the last thing, and this was the one that, and, and I mentioned this already, I kind of alluded to it, but the Lakers never did anything in the way that they were trying to keep Dwight. And so do you think they brought Kobe into the meeting to tell him that he'd teach him how to win to get him to leave? Yes. They were like, we're going to bring Kobe in because we don't actually want this <laughs> yeah. guy to stay. No, he, he, made the re- he made the request, hey, if you guys stretch Kobe – then I will 100% stick around. And they went the opposite direction. They brought Kobe like, no, into no, no, the no. meeting. No, 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 you need a dose of Mamba mentality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the best thing for anybody when you hate somebody is to get a lecture from them. That's, that's the one thing that's going to keep you in the door. <laughs> so so that, that's my, my big conspiracy here is that the Lakers did everything they could to, to tell the fan base, hey, yeah, we tried. We wanted him to stick around, but oh, gosh darn it, he didn't. And and you look at the direction that Dwight's career has gone in since then, and I can't really blame him. Would you, would you invest time into the conspiracy that the Lakers didn't want Dwight back? I would actually put a lot of stock in that conspiracy theory. I, I think it's quite plausible. Um, like you said, his career trajectory has not been the best, uh, despite Kobe and him staging that very cute photo shoot on their instagram i don't think they got along no <laughs> no they're like hey they're like hey guys we're gonna show them that like kobe's a human being and he's relatable we're gonna make fun of this moment yeah right yeah that i remember how much uh, waves that actually sent though that did convince I, I i hate to admit it but there was a part of my brain maybe i was just hoping that they were getting along i was like okay maybe they're okay maybe they're okay maybe we're gonna be okay <laughs> riding this squad into the playoffs before kobe's achilles exploded um but no, I, I think it's quite plausible that they didn't want him back. Um, and he did have those back problems, which were, I feel like, very visible on the court. Yeah. He had labored movements. I also recall a lot of the fan base uh, being very vocal about Dwight not having any go-to post moves. So like, it wasn't exactly he was like the, a fan favorite. <laughs> no. It was because you had all these former Lakers legend, legendary centers coming out and being like Dwight, like Shaq criticizing him on TV. You had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar talking about, I think, his lack of whatever, not yeah. learning the skyhook and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he yep. also had the labrum issues that season too, yeah. right? He was, he was a physical mess that year. Um, yeah, no, he just looked like he couldn't move. And what was crazy was he was still good. Yeah. It is funny to watch how his departure was so heavily publicized, whereas Steve Nash kind of just faded into the sunset like Luke Skywalker. I was going <laughs> to say, not into the sunset. He became a force ghost. He just slowly... <laughs> yeah. What are the chances the Lakers bring Dwight back to work on their free throw shooting, though? <laughs> he could help Lonzo. <laughs> That's the sad thing. Get DeAndre Jordan's guy. That's a PR move. If we could get whoever taught DeAndre Jordan to shoot free throws, yeah, to come for real, our guys. <laughs> yeah. That's who they need. Yeah, I, I completely agree. They need to offer that guy a max contract. <laughs> yeah, whoever it is, Ben Kenobi, or whoever the hell they brought in to fix the shooting form, because that's insane. Yeah, but I, what's weird is that his shot doesn't look all that different. 
No, it's like almost like a confidence thing. Maybe he just read the secret a thousand times. (laughs) (laughs) Like the rim looks like the wide ocean. He needs it. Well, maybe the Lakers need to stop shooting free throws in Staples Center because that seems to work for for DeAndre Jordan. That's true. He just stopped shooting them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's built on, again, maybe it's built on like some type of burial ground or something. Mm -hmm. It's haunted. Mm -hmm. All right. What's your, that's, do you you want a drum roll? Do you want anything like that? No, I, I regret that decision. Okay, so this was originally intended, like, Ryan, we thought you were going to be here. You decided to wisely not drive down from L.A. in the rain. In the to, rain. Where do you live, Anthony? Yorba Linda? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's where you can follow. I'll, I'll tweet Anthony's address later. <laughs> Thanks, but, man. Um, Great. <laughs> so there's a visual element to this that you're just going to, it's going to be lost on you. But, all right, so I got a chart. And, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so I'm hoping this thing is not falling apart. It was maybe glue was not the best decision. Okay, so kind of falling apart. I maybe shouldn't have folded it, but I thought the element of surprise was going to make this better. Okay, so my conspiracy theory is that LeBron faked his groin injury to show the Lakers that his supporting cast was not good enough. Okay, and I got like I got a map Ooh. of LeBron's web of lies right here. <laughs> And so, Anthony, I took an actual good picture of it before I folded it, if you want that for later. So, no, I wanted you in your you fedora, wanted me, You wanted me posing it? Okay, pointing at it? All right. <laughs> You're still giving him a trash about that fedora. I, actually, I haven't seen a picture of this fedora. i got to get some eyes. Okay, well, the, so that's the Let's other thing. I brought you one. <laughs> so oh, my God. Now you're, now you're not here. I can show Anthony. Look, this is real. You can fact check this. I brought you a second. I brought a second one. Anthony, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, thank you. So next time that you record with us in person, we're gonna have we're gonna give you that. It's your Lake that, Show, that, to to like guest gift. Here. It's like like Ellen gives out bags to all of her guests or whatever. Like we give out fedoras. Uh-huh. So this is LeBron, your I promise moment. So anyway, my conspiracy: LeBron faked his groin injury to show the Lakers that his supporting cast is not good enough. So you got LeBron, a superhuman cyborg who has literally never injured this part of his body, never been out for this long. This is an unprecedented thing, which makes me do a little thinking face emoji up here, you know, <laughs> like, just like, is this real? So my evidence train is as follows. You got the halftime score of Lakers Golden State on Christmas, and yeah. it's 65 to 50, and then you see, like, you got this picture of Anthony Davis in a Laker jersey with an arrow through it, because now... <laughs> The Lakers are seeing, they're like, oh, this core is playing pretty well with LeBron. We don't need to make a trade this year. We can wait till this summer. And LeBron is like, oh, no, this is not, this is not going to fly. He had already tried to pressure the front office <laughs> with saying that he wanted to play with Anthony Davis. So he was just like, no, 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 this is not going to work. So he injured his groin. The Lakers are 3-7 and seven since. And then you have a direct arrow to Lonzo in a Pelicans jersey. And so, like, that's the goal of this plan. My other evidence is everyone was using the whole, like, LeBron mouthing, I felt a pop. I don't think that that's what he said. I think he said it was a flop. He was letting the training staff know that he's 100% okay and they don't need to actually worry about this. He's just – and because of doctor-patient confidentiality, they can't can't tell the Lakers, like, that that he's faking. And so he just – like, he's just like, oh, my – and so – and then you got – the reason the aliens come in is – They have the technology to fake the MRI and actually fool the Lakers. So they helped him out. And then the Illuminati is Clutch Sports. 
And, uh-huh. like, that's why Kyrie was against that. That's why Kyrie asked to leave. He's like, I can't be around this. I, you know, like, I need to open my all-seeing eye and mm-hmm. see that they're trying to control us and, like, through mechanisms of social and team control. <laughs> so, anyway, that's my theory. LeBron faked his groin injury to get Anthony Davis on the team. He wanted to show. He was like, oh, you think these young guys are good? Look how good they are without me. Not very good. So, maybe you should get me a better supporting cast. He did warn you. We don't want to see him when when he loses his patience. Yeah, so, so maybe his like his patience is located in his groin, and it just snapped. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this isn't as insane as you made it out to be. I, I mean, it's a great theory. I actually think it's it's not that uh, far fetched. I, I mean, like he is a cyborg. He is a Megatron. He's uh, literally never had an injury like this before. Where it was, he's never missed this many games in a row. I don't believe. Or, no, or, or, this, is, this is, I think as of last night, it was like the longest he's missed in a row. Uh, he's never done so without like a, a specific contact uh, force that like got him hurt. It, this is the first time he's ever just kind of like tweaked something and been out this long. Yeah, like there yeah. was the one time that he just wasn't pl- feeling well or playing well that he went down to Miami, but that wasn't like an injury thing. It was like right, he needed to just recover from general stuff. Yeah. He's never yeah, played I, uh, less than 69 games in a season. That's wild. When, when I saw... Oh, 62, the, sorry. The 62 and 2011-12. Mm-hmm. My life flashed before my eyes when I saw him go down without contact. Because yeah. that was the moment that, that... Once we signed him, of course, there was jubilation on my part. I was very happy, like everybody. But after about like an hour of dancing around my apartment, I then thought, is this the moment? Is this the moment when he... <laughs> When he has, you know, that Kobe injury or something like that. I was thinking about that a lot that night. (laughs) Because I was like, the dude's getting up there in miles. How much tread is left on the tire? And then those thoughts kind of got, they just kind of got put deep down inside me. And I kind of pushed them away because I thought, enjoy LeBron James. Don't be a typical Laker fan and not be (laughs) appreciative of what you've been given. But when he went down, I did, I did panic a little bit because I thought this is it. This is the moment. This is the moment I feared. What are the chances that uh, the Lakers make some whatever whatever trade it might be? Uh, what are the chances that he comes back immediately after they make said trade, or immediately after Luke Walton gets fired? Like if that happens, would that be the wildest day on Twitter in a while? That I'd have to imagine, imagine so. Oh, uh, absolutely. There would be like side by side memes of him and Cersei Lannister drinking wine. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's like. The, I could totally get behind this theory. Also, it's very fun to me. Side note, if we do, in fact, end up trading the farm for Anthony Davis, it is kind of funny that we would be then forming the Big Easy Lakers in New Orleans with (laughs) with Julius Randle (laughs) and the rest of our young core. Like, all of our young core will be... I know, they just need to go get D'Lo in free agency. Yeah. If they get D'Angelo Russell, they'll build the team that we thought we could have built. If that team wins a title... I'm a, I, I become a Pelicans Anthony fan. Anthony would burn his own house down. <laughs> I, I become a Pelicans I, fan. I moved into... I'll walk into the sea. I'll, <laughs> I'll just keep walking until my head's underwater, and you'll never see me again. <laughs> Pick up a rock and then walk. Uh, all right. So if you had to... It's too bad you weren't here for the... for the. There was some chart that Harrison put together. I'll have to... I actually just saw a picture of it. Yeah, like, I, uh, I, yeah I DM'd you the, the picture of... Of both, I got. I tried to get as much of the fedora and that uh, and that chart as I possibly could. Uh, yeah, I made the right choice to uh, frame out the fedora a little bit more in favor of <laughs> in favor of the chart. <laughs> Nothing against the fedora, but I guess a little bit against the fedora. 
Um, but yeah, the chart was, uh, yeah, I mean, you could tell there was some glue stick, Elmer's glue situation involved in making that. It, it, it's good. It's good. It's good stuff. It does. Does that look at, at all similar to your research for your show? You know, it looks a little, uh, it looks a little <laughs> more low res than, uh, than the set that we shoot on. But you know, if I like had a couple beers and I squinted a little bit, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Hey, that was the greatest compliment you could have ever given me in my fiance's eye. So she is, she's a huge fan of your show and your work. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to like ask you for an autograph at some point, but we'll just, we'll talk about that off the air. Yeah. yeah okay. That's probably not the place to do it. This way I can pressure him and I can make him look like a dick if he says no. Yeah, that's the way to do it. All right, Ryan. Well, the show show got a little loopy. Uh, Thank you very much, though, for for making time for us and and for for wanting to come on despite the dire situation that the Lakers are currently in. This was fun. I think this was therapeutic for me. I think this is what I needed in these dire times. Somebody to air out my insane ramblings about the Lakers, a team that, essentially does not know i exist so uh, we have really healthy relationships with sports teams yeah exactly yeah yeah this was a lot of fun thanks for having me on and uh hopefully we could turn this ship around i mean we're not out of the playoff race yet but uh, we keep we lose last night right they're tied for eight right now okay they're tied for eight we Uh, lose to the bulls we lose to uh, if they lose to the bulls who bulls bulls yeah yeah, if they lose These to the are Bulls. Wins. These Ooh, are wins that we had circled in the win-loss column, and now we're going to have to win against some of the better teams. So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Um, No, I guess just watch the show BuzzFeed Unsolved on uh, on BuzzFeed. You can find it on Amazon and Hulu or on YouTube. Um, yeah, that's I just, about it. I just went back and watched your guys' coverage of the, of the Kings uh, – game six thing and and all I got, lakers fans need to watch that your 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 co-host the king's fan uh he needs a hug he he, he uh he he talks about that he messaged messaged me about the kings and that series about i don't know i want to say once a month and that's not even an exaggeration <laughs> he, he needs a w big but De'Aaron box yeah how about De'Aaron box he looks great he looks really good i liked him before the draft so uh, actually, Magic was was going back and forth apparently, reportedly between De'Aaron Fox and I know. And I remember Ball. that sent Lakers Twitter I, into I a remember, panic. Mm-hmm. I remember that that discourse, and I do remember thinking we better take Lonzo. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm still on the Lonzo train. To be fair, I think Fox would look worse with LeBron. Oh yeah, I don't think he would look as good as he does right now. Yeah, probably. And he also had no expectations heading into this season. Yeah. So. All right, Ryan, we'll let you go. Thank you very much for hopping on, and, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, great. Thanks for having me, guys.